Welcome to Film Schools, what we learn when cinema goes to school. In each episode, we speak to a teacher about a film or a series of films where a school features memorably and look at what it gets right about school, what it gets wrong about school, and if there might even be some ideas real life teachers could apply in their own classrooms. I'm Test Scotland editor Henry Hepburn, and my guest today is primary teacher Athol McLaughlin. Athol, the film you want to talk about is an incredible French documentary from 2002, Etre et Avoir, directed by Nicolas Philibert. Um, it's, uh, it's really left its mark on you, I believe. Can you tell us a, a little bit about it? Just introduce the film to us. Um, it's a very, very sweet and intimate documentary film uh, sort of covering the, the life of a tiny rural school in France. Um, I think it was shot in 2001. And it's very up close and personal. It's a tiny school. There's about 12 children in the class, ages 4 to 11. And it's a one-teacher school, a man called George Lopez, who also lives above the school. And it takes in the seasons, it takes in the learning, it takes in the relationships, and it really charts a, a really intimate portrait of the school, the community, um, and it's an incredible film. And why do you think it resonated so strongly with you? I think it's quite unusual in that when we think of um, films about school, we often think of Hollywood movies or uh, we think of that kind of thing or the School of Rock or those big, those kind of big wide open sort of pictures of school and that they're very kind of either it's you know it's, it's, there's a rebel element or there's a kind of an amazing teacher or all that kind of stuff and this really hasn't got any of those themes at all it's very it's very it's very real and um, it's a it's, a it's a male teacher as well so kind of identify with a male primary teacher in this setting it's very rural so it kind of chimes with my own experience of early school too when i was a student myself being at a really small village school in scotland um, and it's very kind of charming as well. You get you get all these lovely moments in the movie where you get to know the different children because there's not that many in the class, and because there's such a wide age range in in the in the film, there's a real wide variety of emotions and things going on. Est-ce qu'il a encore du feu à tous les petits jours? C'est ça qu'elle disait. Elle me regardait comme ça. Elle me regardait quand je lave mon front. Ah bon? So there's real characters in the movie, and George Lopez, the teacher himself, is a fantastic teacher, fantastic character, um, on the brink of retirement. Um, as he says to one child in the film, he's got one and a half years of dictation left before he retires. Um, and it's really, it's also, there's the other characters, there's little Jojo, who's a little boy who is very much kind of the star of the film, if there's a star. Um, and then older children like Oliver and Julianne or little Marie. There's just all these little characters you get to know through the film as well. And you get a real sense of the, the community and the way that the community is supporting the school and the way the school supports the community too. Very agricultural community, very hardworking. You see images of the kids and they're, you know, and they're working their boiler suits or, or boiler suits as I would call it growing up, working on the farm. And you really see these lovely images of, of the seasons of the Go Past too. The film starts with a really quite grim picture of, of a snowstorm and cattle in a snowstorm. And then it cuts to this <laughs> lovely image of, of it's a single tortoise or, or turtle gently and very ponderously crossing the classroom, empty classroom floor. And then you think, oh, it's, just, it's one turtle. And then another one joins it behind. Um, um, which I think is a bit of a metaphor for the film. It's not. It's not fast paced. It's. It takes its time, and you get to know um, through a kind of slow reveal the life of the school. 
It's really interesting what you said about typical Hollywood depictions of schools because that's exactly what I was thinking of when I rewatched it again last night. Is that the the school you see the schools you see typically presented in films exist in a sort of heightened reality. It's usually you know they're usually quite frantic, quite loud, and and it's often not a very complimentary image of school. There's often also something almost prison-like about the schools you see in films. It's a place you escape from where there are threats on every corner. And the pupils fall into tribes to the point of cliche, the jocks, the nerds, the mean girls. Well, any teachers deemed worthy of the spotlight are quite binary. Either they're really nasty, even sadistic characters, or they're hugely inspirational types. Whereas this school in rural France, it's a, it's a quiet, intimate place. There are no grand, big eureka moments either. Um, instead, you see school as a place of incremental progress. It's also a refuge, um, a safe haven in a way that school isn't typically in film. So... In so many ways, it's very different to how schools are normally presented in cinema. I think it's um, a school of its time as well. What's interesting about it, I mean, um, there's clearly lots of unique little rural or one-teacher schools in, in Scotland too and across the UK that are kind of similar to this, that really serve the community and are, are the heart of the community. Um, but when you when you go into it, it's a kind of tiny room as well. The, the classroom is, is minuscule. It's got a wooden stove in the corner with a, a kettle on top. So it's almost like going back in time a little bit, it feels like, you know? You're thinking, you know, the, with your teacher head on, you're thinking, is that safe? Should you have a hot kettle on top of the stove? Um, there's, there's things in the classroom, there's no digital learning in there at all, for instance. So you're looking at it with that kind of headset and thinking, oh, this is, you know, this is very different. And when you see write-ups in the movie, they often talk about, you know, it's rote learning. So yeah, they're doing handwriting, they're doing dictation, uh, they're learning tables and that kind of stuff. But I don't think it's, I think that's a bit of a, I think that's really quite unfair actually. What it also shows is the kind of the range of things that as a generalist teacher he does as well. There's great opportunities when they go out sledging together. Um, there's lots of artwork on the wall. You don't see them do, there's, there's lots of colouring in going on. Um, and there's a great scene where he tries to get the little Jojo to finish his colouring in. And Jojo tries to escape to go um, for break time, but is made to come back because you, you promised to do the calling in. Que pour jouer? Et pourquoi aussi? C'est mon travail. Et qu'est-ce que c'est? Quel travail? Avec le avec avec Tatiana et vous. Avec Tatiana et moi, mais bon, qu'est-ce qu'on fait? Um, and there's just a lovely calm about it. You were talking about a different atmosphere. He's very nurturing. He's very calm. So whenever there's a fallout or whenever there's something that perhaps as a teacher he doesn't like, he doesn't, on camera anyway, resort to kind of shouting or showing massive frustration. He's very calm and he talks it through and it's, it's lots of dialogue. Um, and what, there's lots of wonderful little episodes where he kind of conferences with individual children as well, um, sometimes to help them. Um, there's one at the end of the movie where... There's a kid called Oliver who struggles a bit in class, and there's quite a few kids in the class who obviously need quite a lot of support with their learning. And it's revealed that his dad isn't well, has had cancer, and it's just a very kind of lovely moment there. There's another one where the same kid and another boy called Julian have had a falling out. And the way he handles that, you know, we talk about things like restorative practice or that kind of stuff, it's just very, very sensitive. It gives them both a chance to talk through things. So, um, clearly a very experienced teacher and someone I think who'd been at the school quite a few years as well. Um, but yeah, the, the learning that's taking place happens in lots of different ways. What I really love actually are the, the little discrete moments when you see the kids doing stuff that the teacher wouldn't see. So there's one wee girl at one point who is making a massive mountain of erasers <laughs> and she gets 
And she gets really annoyed when someone takes one of her razors. And then there's a really brilliant photocopy scene where this kid called Jojo and Marie are trying their best to photocopy a page so they can do more colouring in. And it just goes all wrong. And then she takes over. And then it cuts back to the photocopier about five minutes later. And there's a technician in there to fix it. So whatever they did, completely broke it. <laughs> there are some great comedic moments like that. It must have been a painstaking process to put together the film and find those golden little vignettes and amid all the more humdrum day-to-day stuff over the course of the year that the filmmakers were there and goodness knows how much footage they amassed altogether. I thought it was also really interesting what you said about restorative practice, which people might think is quite a new idea. But this was obviously filmed more than 20 years ago and it seems like Monsieur Lopez has a, had a grasp of that in quite an intuitive way. Now, Obviously, not everyone works in a tiny rural school like this, uh, but I guess there must be plenty of universal truths of teaching in there. Does the film ring true to you in terms of your experience as a teacher? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, what's interesting for me too is actually 2002 is when I started as a teacher. Uh, and a bit like yourself, I the year before that, I, I was, or two years before that, I was in Germany at a tiny um, Grundschule in Germany as a, as a language assistant there too. So... I had that experience of being in, and it was also an area of, of deprivation there too. That, so that experience of different types of communities and countries as well. But I think with regards to his manner, he's very intuitive. He's clearly very experienced. And, he, you know, he's, he's, it's not something that perhaps all new teachers do because these sort of things take time to develop and as well. So just knowing the best way to handle a, a situation is, is the mark of a very good experienced teacher sometimes. Euh, c'est là je sais qu'il faut le mettre. C'est pas grave. C'est pas grave. I think that there's an indication that he's probably known these children all the way through their primary school life. So the ones um, like Julian and Oliver at the end, they're about to go up to middle school in the French system. And so there's transition and there's quite a lot of heartache at the end for them. And there's obviously a bit of a test they have to do because he's talking about their, their results at the end and saying, you've just made it up, you need to keep trying hard. So he's got a real sense of high expectations about their learning, but at the same time, he's very nurturing, really warm um, and really giving with his time and, and his energy. Um, and it's a lovely thing to see. And, and obviously it's it's a documentary, so these things are edited out, but you really don't feel like you're intruding. Even though it's a tiny classroom, you really feel that you're a lovely fly in the wall that's just observing and listening to this um, and watching these things, just like that turtle crossing the classroom, just watch them slowly unravel and, and you get to know the different characters. And is there anything that doesn't ring true for you? Um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, there's things, that, there's certain elements that maybe you go, oh, um, for instance, there's a scene where I think it's Julian is doing his homework and he's with his, his mum and she's obviously, the camera's in front. So you're not sure it's maybe sometimes how the camera might change someone's reaction on film. But anyway, he's doing the homework and it's, he's doing some sort of like chimney summer vertical addition or subtraction. And... Um, She's obviously getting a little bit frustrated, but she's trying to keep calm as well, but maybe not as calm as, as George Lopez does is in the classroom. And so one minute she, she slaps him, right? And oh, and he kind of jutters a wee bit. And he's obviously someone who needs a bit of support with his learning. It's, you, you get the sense of that in, in the film. 
And then another time she then threatens him, do you want another slap? And then what, but, but then that, that, it's not it's not done maliciously, this is the point, it's not done, it doesn't feel malicious, it just feels like kind of, almost like banter a little bit. But to some people that might not sit so true, I'd imagine. But where, where that then goes is fascinating because the rest of the family all begin to pile in and want their say about the homework. So the dad comes in and he's, he's going, oh, that's not right, that's not right. And then the uncle, they're all, they're all farmers, and then the uncle, he piles in as well. And they've just finished it. And the mum's like, oh, we've done it, brilliant. And then the uncle goes, no, no, this is, this is not right here. So they've all got this. It's a bit like those, ex- those examples where you get a maths homework and a parent says, this is not how I did maths when I was at school. It's exactly that same um, mirroring of approach. So it's fascinating to see those, those, um, those, those, those identical scenarios being played out in different countries and different schools as well. It's brilliant how, in a very subtle way, with no intertitles introducing each section, it covers almost all aspects of school life. You've got transition from preschool to primary and on to secondary, you've got exams, you've got parents' night, you've got a school trip, you've got behaviour issues. It feels like it touches on just about everything you might encounter as a teacher. So, out of all that, if you were to show this film to student teachers who were just going into the profession, is there any one bit where you would say, watch this, you could really learn a lot from this, it's something really important that you need to pay attention to? Absolutely. Um, I think the the moment we talked about already um, with how he handles the two boys after their, their fight, basically, and their disagreement, and how he talks that through. Um, the other scene that I think would be worth showing would be the scene where he's, it's like a parents' evening, and he's talking through uh, with one of the mums, and I've forgotten the daughter's name, um, and it's someone else who's really, really quiet, she's very introverted in class, um, and and how the mum is explaining how she struggles at home, um, so there's lots of support needs there in terms of in many different ways, which is not labelled. There's no clear label about that, but as teachers, we can we can sort of make some assumptions there. Um, but I think that's a fascinating one: is the way that he is very warm and tries to involve a little bit of humour as well, and to keep it lighthearted. And but also, he's quite straight with the mother too. He says, "Look, this is maybe how it's going to be just now that she won't interact with you in the way that you want her to." But that doesn't mean, and what he doesn't say right, but you know, he, what he's basically saying, that doesn't mean that she doesn't love you, it's just this is how she is just now. And in that way in which sometimes another adult, like a teacher, is able to bring things out and he says, you know, she's able to talk to me a little bit about things now and, 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 and that kind of stuff. And that's really important, I suppose, to not just to show maybe how those conversations work in practice, but to show that the impact that you have uh, in your role and how developing those relationships helps you to help the kids to learn as well. And it's a slow process. It's not going to happen the first week you step into a classroom. Um, you have to build those things up. Um, I think you could oh, oh, you just, I mean, the classic one is Jojo, and he's very much the star of the piece. I think when the film was released, it went to the Cannes Film Festival and his, his lovely little face was across all the posters and advertising. Um, well, maybe, and we'll maybe talk about it later too. He had a when they got popular, that had some negative um, feedback and, and reactions for the community too. But uh, when you, if you chart his little progress in the film, it's really interesting as well. Um, <laughs> there's a great scene where, for instance, uh, George Lopez, the teacher, asked him, why do you come to school? And his answer was, it's my mum who wants me to come. 
<laughs> so you, it's just that honesty. And you know, there's another scene where he's got a pencil halfway up his nose. Um, there's another scene in the playground where when the other kids, Johan, it's not that malicious, it's just a wee bit frustrated, but he pushes them and he, and he falls down into the mud and doesn't really hurt himself, but it's just his emotions and he's embarrassed and all this kind of stuff. And, and the way that George Lopez handles that situation, he doesn't wade in there with, you know, oh, what happened? And who's, who's done this and who's done what? It's very calm um, and it's over and done with really quickly. So just showing you maybe some of those behaviour management techniques and just how your own persona can come across. Um, and I suppose just the, what a, just that sense of, of ownership, I think. You get a real sense of ownership about um, being a teacher and this is your school and this is your class um, and that when they come to you, they're under your care. And, you know, and it's, it's his routine and the class respect that. And, um, but and also the sense in which he knows them as individuals. But that only comes through from watching the whole film. You have, you have to watch the whole film to get the sense of how he knows those individual kids so, so well. And maybe that a bit about transition at the end. That'd be another scene to show just in terms of how closely he thinks about that and keeps, and crucially for me when I watched that was how he keeps pushing them for high standards and high expectations. He's saying to them, yeah, it looks like you will, this is to the two boys, that you will probably be in a, like a support, learning support class by yourself sometimes at the school. Um, so they can help you with that. Um, and then there's a really interesting scene when he talks about how they'd have to stand up for each other. Uh, and Julian, he says, oh, you're good, you can, you can fight back. And Oliver, don't you be afraid to fight back as well. So there's that real sense of that he's a, he, they are a gang and even though they're leaving his, his nest, they're still, he's still there for them. And he, he says that outright as well. Now, it's at this point that we normally ask if the teachers in the film that we're talking about need any CPD in particular. That's because often the teachers are quite simply bad teachers or <laughs> deeply flawed, often. Um, that doesn't really apply here. Monsieur Lopez is clearly an outstanding teacher. Um, but is there anything he particularly needs to work on? I mean, it's still just about in the pre-digital era um, here, so perhaps you did mention his digital skills are maybe a little lacking. <laughs> I would, I would, I wouldn't, I would hate to, um, I would hate to go to school with a guy who had one and a half years left before he retired and say, I think of, I think of, um, I think, I think of, I, th I think I can tell you what CPD can, you can have to make you a better teacher. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think actually, yeah, I think maybe, it sounds a bit trite, but um, maybe, maybe the, the digital aspect might be the thing or, oh, you don't know the budget. I mean, the, the budget of the school seemed pretty tiny, but. Um, it didn't didn't feel that different to the school system when I first started teaching in a sense. But um, oh, what CPD would you recommend them? Um, how to make best use of your retirement or something like that. <laughs> you touched on it a little earlier, but for such a heartwarming and enjoyable film, there's a bit of a sad postscript to it in that there was some legal action taken by Monsieur Lopez and subsequently I think some of the families involved against the filmmakers. That seems to have largely been driven by him suggesting that the filmmakers hadn't quite set out what they planned to do. He and the family seemed to think that the film would only be used for educational purposes and wouldn't be seen by that many people. But then it appeared at Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, it won lots of awards and made a reasonable amount of money for what is quite a, quite a low-key documentary. So Georges Lopez argued that he deserved some of the proceeds from that and then his image in the French media seemed to change and he was portrayed less sympathetically as a result and ultimately he didn't win his action, uh, though I couldn't actually see what became of the action pursued by the families. 
Do you have any thoughts on that? It can be quite a big deal to let the media into your classroom and let them see you working at close quarters and you may not have much control over what comes out the other end. So this turned out to be a, a cautionary tale. Yeah, it's um, it's a... I mean, I'd watched, like yourself, I watched that again recently, um, obviously for the, the podcast, but I, I'd, you know, I'd watched it years ago when it first came out and I, I, did, I didn't know anything about this postscript until doing a little bit more research for the podcast. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, it's fascinating, but also quite sc- kind of scary as well it's in terms of the impact that it's had on on these key figures. I think he intentionally had, was, was quite happy to retire in, in the village, in the commune. And um, he talks in the movie about the, where you're going to live. He says, well, I might still live above the school because it's obviously like a, a schoolhouse with a, an apartment above it or I might get some, an apartment somewhere else. But because of the the fame and notoriety that came about because of the success of the film, he moved away completely. Um, and having read about it as well, characters like Jojo um, were pretty much hounded in the village. So what happened, well, yeah, it became very successful and lots of fans of the movie came to to the village to try and find the real people and Jojo being such a, a character and such a you know a warm little little guy attracted there was a Swiss couple I think pretty much stalked him in the village and that really kind of scared them and, and and if you know that from watching the film how sensitive some of their needs are you can imagine that uh, those those characters wouldn't as I don't I think many people would have handled that sudden fame very well and yes a real interesting dilemma about how we show what learning is and um, I was it made me think of other examples like you know there's classic little films like Kane's Arcade if you know the story of that about the wee boy who creates his own cardboard arcade um, and that kind of ballooned as well and he became a personality and it's become like a cardboard challenge but you kind of wonder about how those little fragments in time that we are very lucky to be a, an observer of and allowed into our life, but actually it seemed to cause a rift in the community. And th- the reason they asked for money was because, yeah, the filmmaker Nicola Phil- Philibert had, I think, probably quite genuinely said, it's just an educational thing. And if you look at his other, other films, none of them made any money. So I had to look online to see the other sort of things he's done and none of them have made any money co- in, in comparison to this movie. Um, and he's... Also, the French attitude to film was, well, no, you can't ask for a share in the profits because in documentary filmmaking, we don't do that. This is not the way things are done in France. And he was just quite honestly saying, look, we didn't realise we were going to make money. And as you said earlier, it's a, it's a poorer community. They're not, they're not rich in terms of material wealth or that kind of stuff. They're rich in terms of community, but not in terms of material wealth. So, you know, if someone's going to make money out of their their image and their life, then it, he didn't, and the families didn't seem it uh, unfair to have a share in those profits, but it, it never happened. Um, and I think maybe thinking about, the, you know, the digital comparison as well, that this is before schools started sharing things on Twitter or, you know, had their own, even things like, um, class dojo or, or blogs or that kind of stuff so much it kind of preempts all that stuff by quite a bit um, and just that difficult um, conversation we have now as teachers about what you do with learning how you show learning or 
how much of a child's image do you share on the internet or in videos and that kind of stuff? And what does it really say? Um, so in one sense, you have this fantastic and, and amazing and, and genuinely intimate and heartwarming film that's very honest and very real. At least it feels so. You always have to have a slight question of any documentary, but it, it feels very real. And, the set, and, and then when you know a bit more about it, you realise actually, yeah, the process of the film and the fame of the film and the success of the film was a little bit neg- was quite very negative. Um, and that's, that's just a bit sad, actually. There's a really interesting ethical dilemma there because clear, clearly it's a film that's very sensitively put together and I think anyone who watches it will have a better understanding as a result of how schools work, what teaching involves and so on. The, the children involved are now grown adults and were part of a very successful film that will follow them around, perhaps, for their whole lives. Uh, and people may react to them in a certain way because they've been in this film. So the ethical dilemma to me is in the terms of how you balance the drive to find narrative threads that will make your film work and be a success, but also sensitively portray children in films and bear in mind that there may be a lasting impact on their lives long after the film is released. Alize! Alize! I was going to say, yeah, on that, Henry, I think that's a really good point as well, but also like, going back to your stuff about like what teachers might take from this, I think it's a really powerful movie for new and old teachers and parents and children to watch and, and think about, like, almost in a sense, how does how does their classroom feel? If you were a fly in the wall in your classroom or your school, how would it feel to you? And, you know, that, I'd quite happily be in that class as a teacher or as a student, is, is my reaction to that. Um, but in, in the same point in time, yeah, the, 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 the impact of, of wanting to try and create documentaries about children and about to share those things is is fraught with difficulty and as you say ethical dilemmas so yeah even child actors I mean we're so used to these like we talked about earlier these big blockbuster images of school where yeah, you've got very um sort of black and white depictions of the the rebel and the teacher and all that kind of stuff but actually it's in most classrooms it's not like that um at all um and you want to have and it's, it's a great film for being able to say to people well this is this is it's not the the version, but it's our version of a really close and warm school environment that very much is shares the ethos I have of what the type of school I'd like you know the type of education I'd like to do. Yeah, we talked about the the Hollywood depictions of schools, but even most TV documentaries about schools don't feel the same as this film. If you think about something like Educating Manchester or Educating Yorkshire, they're very much narrative driven. They're looking for a thread to follow for characters who go on a journey. You know, this thing happened to this kid who was struggling with this and that, and then he did this or she did this, and then this teacher got involved, and then there was this great moment of success. You know, that sort of narrative arc. Well, with Etre Avoir, it's more that you're immersed in the life of the school and there are there are little gains and little setbacks, but it's not forced into that sort of linear narrative. It feels more authentic as a result, I think. No, you're right. I didn't... I hadn't thought about those, yeah, the kind of TV documentary ones. Yeah, the, the TV documentaries are much more forceful, aren't they, in terms of, like, almost pressurising the the narrative, like you say. So, yeah, it's just... It's, it, yeah, it's very... I mean, it's very French in one sense. It's it's very kind of... You know, I read one review, I think it was on Rotten Tomatoes, one critic's review, and he hated it. <laughs> he said it was the most boring thing he'd ever seen. So if it, it, it clearly might not be everyone's cup of tea. or um, But... For I think when you if you settle down and just let yourself ease into the pace of the movie and the pace of the life, it very much seems to mirror uh, the community. You know, it doesn't mirror a big inner city school. 
which would be more friend, you know, frantic and, um, you know, much more kind of big events every day. It wouldn't be just a little fight in the playground. It, it very much mirrors the pace and the and the and the life of of that community as well, which is fascinating. And the question that we'd like to finish on is, uh, and it's maybe particularly appropriate here because, as we know, Monsieur Lopez was on the point of retirement. He was about to, to step away from the school he'd worked at for so long, so there was an opening coming up. So if that could be you stepping into his shoes or the shoes of someone like him and, and working in a school like that, is it is it, is that something that would appeal at all? <laughs> um, absolutely. I th I, I, it really does. I mean, this is just me, so like other teachers probably go, no way. But... Um, about five years ago, I was looking before myself and my family um, four and a half years ago moved to work from Scotland to Beijing, China. So we went as far away from the idiom of a, of a French rural school as you could get. But at the time, before we made that decision because of my wife's job, I was actually looking at rural schools. So we, we, as kind of personalities, I, I'm pulling one way to go and, to go and work in a little uh, rural school somewhere, which I suppose is harken back to my old childhood a wee bit um, and my wife is pushing the other way to go to as big a metropolis as she can find um, so yeah I mean when I watch that it reminds, he reminds me of my primary teachers from the first four years of school and that, in particular a teacher called Mrs Dixon who had a composite class of, of three different classes in, in it and you know we did lots of rote learning too we did tables and handwriting and similar things as he's doing but we also did all the things that he's doing baking we did loads of cooking we had our own garden she would sit on the piano every monday morning and knock out the hymns um uh, and it had that similar kind of environment to the one he had you know it was very nurturing and um and you also knew you wouldn't mess with her but uh but at the same point in time it was it was it was that kind of feel to it so it's, there's a kind of nostalgia there, clearly. But yeah, I, I definitely, it wouldn't put me off working in that kind of school, definitely. And what's the appeal of working in a one-class school where certainly in Scotland that would entail working with children aged maybe four to 12 um, all at the same time? And are there any downsides that you could see to that as well? Well, I have to say I've never done it. So I'm sure teachers out there who have done it will tell you that more accurately. But I suppose the appeal for someone who's never done it is the would be the sense of community for me, um, which also I think might put some teachers off not being able to, you know, have a clear line in the sand between school and home life. But for me, it'd be that kind of sense of community that you are building a kind of community together. But um, I just like the I like the kind of size of it. I like this, it's not too big. I think I've worked in lots of different primary schools of different sizes, and a really really big primary school. It can be, I find, can be quite hard work. It can be quite alienating. It's it's quite hard to pull that together, in terms of community stuff. There's so many different personalities and just so many children as well. So the the size really appeals to me. And just, um, it's also a challenge. Clearly, you've got so many different needs and potentially such a wide um, range of of abilities and, and, and the ways of supporting those different and scaffolding their learning in different ways. I've got a very good friend who's who's taught and, and been a head teacher of a school like that and I know that she she really 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 enjoyed it. Um and she enjoyed that community side of things. So there's 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 something certainly to me um I would still uh, love to give that a go uh, and to be a part of it and see what that was like. 
Um, and I think the film shows how how appealing that can be as well. I think it does a very good job in attracting teachers to work in rural communities um, in many ways. I think that's absolutely right. And uh, you, you hear a lot about the downsides of teaching, but this is a film that shows you the joy, the fulfilment that teaching can bring and just how rewarding a career teaching can be. And I think that's just a, a perfect and really nice note to end on. So thanks again. Oh, thank you, Henry. My pleasure. Great. Today's episode of the Tez Scotland podcast was written and hosted by Henry Hepburn. If you enjoyed the episode, there's more Tez coverage available on our website. And for a limited time only, you can get three months access to our new digital magazine for just £3. That will get you anytime, anywhere access to read all of the latest education news, research and analysis. As much as you want, all in one place. Head over to tez.com forward slash store forward slash tez dash discount to get yours. 